Good morning, Christ Fellowship. Good morning. Am I up and running here? Is it coming through there? All righty. Well, hey, uh, and at Christ Fellowship, our vision here is that we would be a life-giving, multiplying, reproducing church that just looks like Jesus. And we are touching our city, the nation, the nations of the earth. And a, a key part of that is there are things that just happen when we're not here. Like, so... There's a lot of great stuff that happens here on Sundays and in our life groups and when we're together, gathered as the church, but there's a lot of other stuff that happens throughout the course of the week. And so today, in this Back to the Future series, we're talking about family and work because a whole lot of life happens when we're doing family and when we're doing our work, whatever our vocation is. If you'll open your Bibles to Luke chapter 3, verses 21 and 22, I'll kick us off there. This, this passage that we're about to read is being read all over the world today. This is a part of the Revised Common Lectionary, where the church around the world is remembering that Jesus came into the world on Christmas, the Epiphany, and that He became, uh, became a man. And, that, and in this case, he, that He was baptized. And uh, Yancey did a great job last week. He kicked this series off talking about Back to the Future and and especially about God's love. And we're going to be working that theme through the next couple of weeks. So family and work this week. Next week we'll be talking about the church, kind of how we function, what God's called us to, and the way we live this out into the future as a church. And I'll just I'll say this right now as a kind of precursor for next week. This is, the church is where kind of God's future starts happening right now. So it's like all that He's wanting to do with the kingdom it starts happening and burgeoning up and blossoming right here. That's God's plan. Always has been. So it's not, we're not just kind of, the church isn't just, we're kind of gathered here because God needed something to do with Christians once they got saved. He's got a plan for us together. And part of how we walk that out is with our families and in our workplace. So let's look at these couple of verses here. John, excuse me, Luke uh, 3, 21 and 22 when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, you are my son whom I love. With you I'm well pleased. And uh, amen. All week long, Matthew just left yesterday to go back down to uh, Waco, to Baylor. And all week long I was saying, you're my son whom I love, and with you I'm well pleased. I was, I was saying that, but Yancey put a twist on it. He said, you're my son whom I love, and I like you. I love you, and I like you. And so I was with Matthew. I was going, I love you, and I like you. And he'd always kind of smile. I, I know it's probably awkward to have somebody say that to you like that, but that's a good thing for dads to be doing, right, with their, with their sons. You know, I would encourage you, if you didn't get a chance to listen to the message from last week with... Uh, Dr. Yancey, one of our elders, he did a great job. And one of his main points was that God's love finds us in our weakness. God's love finds us. And I can't tell you, I mean, 10, 15 times, how many times I thought during the course of this past week, like, I can do that. I can, I can let God's love find me in the midst of my weakness. Anybody else like feel weak sometimes and just like broken, needing grace. It's a whole bunch of us. And, and that's the way we are. If we're really honest, some of the weird stuff that 
goes on down in here, the weird things that float through. <laughs> what in the world is that? Where that's from hell. Ah, you know. And he still finds us. He still meets us and he's good. He's good. I want to preach his love to you today and preach Jesus to you today. Um, he showed us what receiving this love looks like. That's what this baptism did. Jesus need this somehow. He needed this to step into all that he was called to do. And if Jesus needed it, how much do we need it? Just father saying, you know, at the center of the New Testament is Jesus Christ and his relationship with his father in the spirit. Dead center, you know, and just a beautiful thing. And so we want to see that worked out into our families. We want to stretch out the importance of his love into our families and work that Jesus Christ would be Lord of all. And um, not just in the spiritual things, but in every single part of life. We're going to be talking a little bit today about compartmentalization. And uh, anybody ever do any of that? I think, I think we actually all do it. You know, it's it's uh, really built into our society in a in an average week. This is funny what I'm about to say. Um, I, I just this funny thought I had <laughs> in an average week. There's 168 hours eh. in every single week. There, that's why it was funny <laughs> in every single week. There's 168 hours. And then we all get about eight hours of sleep a night. But for the sake of the illustration, let's say we got eight hours of sleep roughly around that, right? Uh, eight hours of sleep, and that's, that's 56 hours. So 168 minus 56 equals 112. So there's 112 hours. And let's say that, um, let's say that, that we come to church on Sunday morning to the service, we go to life group, and we do quiet time with Jesus every single day. So that's like 12, 15 hours or something. So that's now you're down to about 100 or about 95 hours left awake in your week. Wow. You know, we we need to have a perspective about God being in those other 95 hours or we're going to be in trouble. We've got this truncated little spiritual life over here. If we don't envision God being in our families and in our work and him being connected to all of that, you know, and. There is not one piece of planet Earth or anybody's life where Jesus isn't going, that's mine. All authority in heaven and on earth is given to him. So he lays claim to it all. And in talking about family and work, you know, I could say, hey, you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. There's this famous French uh, novelist. Uh, I'm going to say it in Texan here. Antoine de Saint Exupery. I'm sure there's some French people going to bring the correction later. That's fine. Antoine, did you know that? That's Italian. <laughs> just, I'm just up here doing this. Just work with me. Um, but one thing he said was, when you're going to build a ship, don't just give people assignments. Don't tell people, go get the canvas, the rope, the, the, the wood, the nails, all that stuff. And then you start doing this is how you build this thing. Here's the plan. No, instead, you cast vision for what it's like to sail on the sea. You be out there with the wind in your face and hear the sails flapping in the wind. That stirs people's hearts. You know, and so this thing about, you know, uh, our families and work, it's not just do these things and then you'll have a successful family life or a successful work life, you know, with Jesus. It's dream. I can remember dreaming about, you know, we had this, this, uh, this little baby girl, and our parents left. 
you know, so Kim's mom came for a while, my mom came for a while, they left, and then we were like, somehow kind of like a real family or on our own. You know, there's, there was two, and now there's three. And we rem- I remember her, she would fit right here, and uh, dreaming about sitting there talking with Kim. What will it be like to raise her in this kind of environment where we're seeking God, where we're praying, where we're worshiping, where we're, we're, we're wanting to see our lives lived out, you know, in, the, in following Jesus Christ? And just that dream started stirring our hearts about what our family life could be like and what life could be like uh, you know, with Jesus. So that's, that's kind of what I'm talking about here. And so the main thing is this. Here's this vision piece. God wants to envision us. He wants to envision our families and work. All of life lived out of the abundance of His love. And that's what the kingdom of God is. That's when the kingdom's coming. It's living out of the abundance of the, of the love of God. I'm receiving it. I'm giving it. I'm receiving it, I'm giving it. Even to the point of laying down my life or being willing to suffer or to be willing to go through hard things. One thing's for sure, in 2016, a lot of you guys are going to go through a trial or two. Maybe even everybody. And this is the way we live out life. This is, this is part of the process. And it's a lifestyle that we're talking about. Um, when I say this about family and work, I'm not just saying when you come to a decision point and you go, okay, what would Jesus do here? That's not bad. It's just Jesus was living a lifestyle that enabled him to make the decision in the moment. And so I'm, I'm calling us, this life of following Jesus isn't just making decisions here and there that are following Jesus' decisions. It's a lifestyle that gets us ready to make decisions in the moment. Does that make sense? It's, it's an all, it's a game on all the time kind of thing. It's like a musician, you know, Aaron didn't just stand up here and start playing those tasty licks you know, just he decided to try that, you know, like a couple of weeks ago. You know, it's it's hours and hours and hours, you know, and I sit there and it's like sublime to me listening to him, you know, just a beautiful thing. And, uh, you know, and, and so a musician that steps into that light has done that for hours and hours or an athlete. Athletes don't just on Sunday, they're playing playoffs. And it's really cold where they're going to play today. But uh, they're, they're, doing, they're, they're doing this thing that's, that they've, they've ordered their whole life around doing something with excellence. Their whole life. And so then they have a couple of hours when they run and they, you know, that was a pylon deal right there. Um, and they practice that stuff. People didn't used to practice. They just got knocked out of bounds in the four lungs. Doing all that. Brom Kohlhausen. I mean, never a doubt last week, right? TCU, Horn Frog. And uh, never a doubt, right? 31-0, we're getting stomped. He only started one game in his college career. That's it, one game. His senior, just graduated, started the last game he played in. And that's the only one he started in. Famous quarterback from Houston, but he had a rough college career. You know, didn't, never started a game. But trained practiced, through, through, read the option, did all that stuff so that when his time came, he was able to perform under the biggest spotlight of all. MVP, you know, led him back, tied the game, won in the triple overtime, you know, you know, pretty awesome, you know, go frogs. But, but that's what we're talking about. Family is, you know, if it's going to be where we're where we're getting to where we want to, this vision, 
there's a lot of little stuff that just lived out behind the scenes that nobody sees. Same thing's true with work, with believing God, trusting Him. You know, everybody, your work, you go, well, nothing for God can be done in my work. That's not true. Everybody, there's something that you can do in the grace of God that's appropriate in your work situation to, to live for God. You know, we, we all can, or we need to, you know, there's some professions that, you know, I'm thinking of vices or something illegal. We don't need to do those. But, but if there's some, it's, it's righteous thing, then there's a way to do it righteously with God. That's all I'm saying. So let's, let's look at this this morning. Why don't we live this way with our families? Why don't we live this way in our work? And I, I, there's a problem. And it's a problem in us. And God provides a solution. So let's talk about this this morning. The first piece here is the problem. It's our great struggle. Okay, so what is our great struggle? What hinders us so much from living this thing out in our family lives, from living this out at work? What is it? Do you know the answer? It's that we think life is separated. We think that there's spiritual stuff that happens over here. We do this thing on Sundays, life groups. You know, we have a quiet time. We have little spiritual moments, and those are here. And then we have these other moments that are over here. And we compartmentalize. You know, it's as if, you know, God's over here, and, but when I'm doing this, He's not there. And can I just say, that's a lie. That's a lie. God's always there. You're not living and breathing without God. Newsflash, nothing separated from God. You remember uh, part of God's plan, Ephesians 1, chapter 4 and 5, He says that He, before the creation of the world, He had a plan to bring us into His family, to adopt us into this loving circle, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, before the creation of the world. That's His plan. You could say that's a, a big piece of why He created the world was to bring us into that wonderful place and to do that with our family, to do that with our work, to do that with our church life, to do that with the mission that He's called us to. All that we are, all that we're about is to be called into that. But there's a problem. And the problem is that since the fall, since the fall, men and women have been running from God, have been separating themselves and being enemies in our minds. Does that make sense? So, first decision, Adam and Eve. Okay, God's coming. We need to go put some stuff on and hide from God. So we run, Adam and Eve. Where are you? We're hiding. Why are you hiding? Well, I don't, we need to hide from you now. Right? Separation. Okay? So that's, that's what's going on. And it, 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 uh, it, it, it's reinforced that idea, that basic idea that the enemy comes along and he wants to rob, steal, kill, destroy. He wants to take life from us. He wants to take God's love from us. He wants to take what God wants to give and be pouring into our lives every single day. He wants to rob us from that. And when he robs us from that, then we live in this desperate kind of you know, need to get life or something to fill that gnawing emptiness on the inside. And so I'm reaching out in all these inappropriate ways to get something to fill me. Make sense? This is so natural for us to think this way. And we think it's just normal. We think it's the way life really is. That we're just separated from God. It's just the most normal thing in the world. 
Greek philosophy has had a big piece of this. You know, just it's something the enemy uses. Dualism. But in Greek philosophy, God's like hundred layers up into this unknowable spirit. Just layer upon layer upon layer. And that's spirit. And down here is us. And we are separated. And we're really, really, God's really, really distant and separated from us. That's Greek philosophy. Dualism. And it's through all kinds of stuff. And it permeates even the things that I'm talking about today when we say God's here on Sundays, but He's not at my house. God's here on Sundays, but He's not in my family. He's not in my work. And our culture just supports this with all kinds of stuff. You know, politics is over here, but God isn't. Um, education's over here, but God isn't. Science, it's over here, but not God. You know, and so we somehow, we enable ourselves to have atheistic, agnostic types of philosophies about life. And we think that's, you know, just normal. And the enemy all the time is just stay busy. Stay distracted. Keep looking at your phone. Don't think about it. Just kind of live into this. That's fine. That's what's going on. And it's easy to do that in this kind of environment and milieu that we live in. To do it with our family. And to do it with our work. So am I making sense? So what's the solution? God has a solution. And I want to paint some big brush strokes so that we get this. This life-shaping vision of love and life in the kingdom of God. It's a vision where God's love always finds us. No matter how weak or broken or messed up we think that we are, no matter how much you messed up this week and don't think that God can find you, He's found you. He loves you. He cares about you. His grace is always there. Like the, the Ephesians passage I talked about, I talked about earlier, you know, his whole plan and creation was to bring us into His family of love, to adopt us. So God's working this thing way before our response to what He's done. So, let me give you some other illustrations of this to, to show how God's a part of our lives even when we don't know it. Okay, So John, the Apostle John, tradition says that he wrote his, uh, he wrote his Gospel in the year 95 uh, A.D., around that time. And that the bishops of Asia asked him, but he was an old man, and they asked him before he died to write down his version of the Gospel. Okay, so that's what the Gospel of John is. It's John writing down his version of the Gospel. And notice how he starts this Gospel. It's kind of not like the way we often start the Gospel in the Western world today. So it's, it's like, very much the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit in fellowship. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. So starting with Jesus, the Word. He was with God in the beginning. Now, this is important. All these things I'm about to say right now are very important. Through Him, all things were made. And just in case we're unclear about this, He wants to make sure that we understand Anything that's ever been made was because of Jesus. Okay? Through Him, all things were made, and without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. So John's starting his Gospel out, and he wants us to see there's no life, living breath, no kind of living apart from Jesus Christ. Okay? So you, 
you can't be here apart from Jesus Christ. I know we've got people visiting and stuff. You know, this may be the, some of the best news that you've ever heard. You're not living life on your own apart from Jesus. He's holding everything together by the power of His Word. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Paul also wants us to see this thing. In Colossians 1, you can turn there. I guess it's up there as well. Uh, Colossians 1.15. This is a famous passage. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him, all things hold together. Wow. So, like, how much are we talking about here with Jesus? This is like a bunch of things, several things or some things, or is it all things? It's a rhetorical device when you're speaking. Just to emphasize that it's all things. All things. Okay, everybody tracking with me? Just I'm really wanting us to see this like you're not living life apart from Jesus Christ. Nobody is. So that's that the enemy wants us to think that wants us to think we can live life completely separated from God. And dichotomize and compartmentalize and live a separated life apart from God. Hebrews, I'll just do one more and then we'll move on. But Hebrews, Hebrews chapter one, verse three, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Sustaining all things by His powerful Word. I, I don't know everything that means, but I somehow they don't know and understand how atoms are perfectly balanced to kind of spin around in a nucleus and electrons and protons and all that stuff. But I think it has something to do with Jesus Christ and the power of His Word sustaining all things. That's, that's what I think. That's what I, that's what I believe based on what God's Word says. So, my point here is to, uh, you know, I'll just go ahead and say this about my own calling. Part of what I'm supposed to be doing in life is to proclaim to you what really is in Jesus Christ. And so I've given my life to preaching and proclaiming the unsearchable riches that are ours in Jesus Christ and how we live that out together in community. That's, that's what I'm about. And so when I'm saying this, what I'm proclaiming to you today and what the burden of my heart is, is that you would see things the way they really are in Jesus Christ. This is, this is our great need in the midst of our darkness, in the midst of the land that we live in, in the midst of our culture, in the midst of all these things that the enemy uses to say, God's not there. I want to say the reality is that nothing is, is, nothing is functioning, nothing is working, nothing is everything is held together by the Word of Jesus Christ and His power. He is the creator, the sustainer of all of life. And so it makes the gospel not just, it's unbelievably, incredibly good news that God steps into flesh and the Word became a man. Now think about that. And in doing that, He unites Himself, God and man together. And that's what we remember during this season. God and man together. That Jesus Christ became flesh 
It literally says that in John 1, just that he became sarks. That's the Greek word for flesh. He entered into all of this so that he could redeem all of this into glory. He stepped into this. And it's just a, just thinking about that is mind-blowing that the Creator unites himself to us, to Adam. And here's the good news. And it's in doing that that this problem that we've got in Adam you know, ultimately gets dealt with through the cross when he goes to the cross and goes into the grave and Adam dies. Okay, this is this. We got to see this, that Jesus unites himself to us and takes us to the grave. And then on the third day, by the power of God, he's raised to new life. New creation steps out onto planet Earth for the first time. Boom. I need like the, the music swelling in the background. You know, but this is like, Oh my goodness, this is absolutely incredible. He's united Himself to humanity. And He dies the death that we should die, but He raises to new life us with Him. Now when did that happen? Did it happen when you used to do some good stuff and come to church a bunch? Did it happen when you believed it? Does it make it true? And see, the deal is, part of the key thing we've got to see is that you know, there's a piece of our salvation that happened then. It's, it's, it's what Jesus Christ did. I'm not making it happen. Now then, when I see that, it's like when salvation breaks into my world and I'm blown away that Jesus Christ did all of that for me. And new life is exploding in my heart and mind and soul. And I see you are the Savior. You are the Lord. You've done all this. And that's why we see, you know, John 14, 20 says on the day the Holy Spirit comes, on that day, you're going to realize I am in my Father and you, and, and, and you are in me and I am in you. I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. And I've done this. This is what Jesus has done. Us seeing this is a blow away. It's an absolute blow away. It's what Paul talks about. This mystery was hidden. It's now revealed. It's Christ in you. Use y'all, plural. It's in the church. It's in the people of God. It's in everyone who sees what Jesus Christ has done for us. And this is good news. You know, you don't have to live separated and alienated in your mind any longer because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. This is good news. It changes everything. It's just, it's like, wow, Lord, I'm blown away uh, because of who you are. And that's uh, the truth as it really is in Jesus Christ. And I, you know, I can, I guess what I'm trying to do is say, don't believe the lie that God's over here and you're work stuff with the schools over here. Don't believe the lie that God's over here and you're, what you're doing with your family, how you're serving your wife, how you're serving your husband, how you're living life with your kids. Don't believe that that's separated from this. Jesus Christ, is into, He wants us to see a full, complete integration of all of life. So let me give you some practical handles. Wow. I don't normally sweat. I feel like I'm trying today. Okay, some practical handles. Here we go. So, living into God's future in this connected 
uh, life with Him, living life like Jesus and practicing and doing the discipline of this is this everyday thing, living out of the abundance of His love. First of all, it's going to mean renewing the mind, living into God's future. It's going to mean renewing the mind. And that's where we say, Lord, transform this, transform this thinking. I'm offering my mind to you on a, a daily morning by morning throughout the day basis. Renew my mind. Bill Johnson says that the renewed mind is the highway that the kingdom of God travels to get into the rest of the world. That, that, that we help express that. We give expression to the, the kingdom of God uh, coming with power. And so, um, if I don't do this, if I don't renew my mind on a daily basis, if I'm not living that way, and I'm going to just be vulnerable here for a moment because um, I'm... Uh, 50, 50, and uh, and I found that I, I'm still insecure. I'm still fearful. I, I still just I have funky thoughts that come through my head. Like what in the world, you know? Wow, you know. And I I still struggle if I don't see that Jesus Christ is living in in me, the I am then I struggle with my, with my I am nots. I'm not secure. I'm not safe. I'm not loved. Anybody ever hear this yourself on the inside? I'm not beautiful. I'm not worthy. I'm not forgiven. Anybody else? And so what this does is this, this knowing His life inside of us and, and, and walking this thing out it means practically guarding my mind, not mindlessly consuming whatever culture is throwing at me. And so that could mean uh, TV. It could mean advertising. You know, it's not, a, it's not a list of do this and don't do that. That's not the way it works. But it is a conversation God about how he wants us to walk out our lives. It's a conversation with the Holy Spirit. Lord, what are you saying about this? We need a theology of technology. Kim and I were, uh, so I'll just be practical here and talk about phones for just a moment. Listen to the amens. We're at dinner, I don't know, a few weeks ago. And uh, we look over, and there's a ta- there's a family beside us, family of four, and uh, normally a time where you'd be interacting, asking co- questions, getting answers. How's it going, son? How are you doing today? Oh, go- doing good, Dad. But it wasn't like that. That wasn't the scene. Instead, it was four four individuals lost in the vortex. They're there, but they're not there. They're there, sort of, in body, but they're not there present. You know, and so a renewing of the mind is like, I'm just not gonna, I'm, I don't have mine in my pocket, it's in the car, uh, but just, I'm not gonna just, I'm not gonna be sucked into this thing. I'm not gonna live mindlessly. You know, it's not, don't use phones, but. Man, I mean, talk about a distracting, separating kind of piece of technology. This can be that. Almost a babble-like thing of, I don't need God. You know? 
Now I went deep. I didn't say that in the first service, so check on that one. Just But phones, I'm just saying don't mindlessly use those things. Uh, you know, uh, I told this story a couple, I don't know, months ago or something, but uh, Kim was telling me about these kids at her office. She's an audiologist and does hearing-related testing and stuff like that. And kids being let in, you know, with their iPad or their phones, and they don't ever look up. You know, they're, they're just like, they're, they're being led by mom or dad or somebody, and they just, and they come in, and the testing's happening. And, you know, and then they, yeah. Oh, okay, you take it away. Okay. <laughs> the world, <laughs> the world out here. So, everybody tracking with me on that? I'm just like, that's, that's a practical example. Everybody gets quiet. We all do it. You know, most of us. Some are like hardliners. <laughs> that's all right. Just, here we are. What are we going to do? Lord, help us to live life in 2016 for you, for your life, for your glory. So, renewing the mind, that's the first piece. Living this out practically. The second piece is guarding our attitudes and words. Amen, Jamie. Amen. Kim and I are reading a, doing a reading plan right now. She just got the book, and it's about a 40-day negative word fast. Negative words. So trying to just eliminate so many of the negative words. What's coming out in your family, you guys, is an, it's, it's the product of what's inside of your mind and inside of your heart. So don't be surprised if there's a bunch of negative stuff coming out of your mouth if you're thinking about negative things and processing them in your heart. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's weird. Sound like tongues or something. But I just... And so, uh, you know, that's what's going on. What's coming out in your family? What's coming out at work? You know, we want to be renewing our minds, guarding our attitudes, guarding our words. You know, we read that just, I mean, that thing, that thing is filled with lots of great questions, but I pulled out two. Here's two from that study. Is there someone that you feel free to gossip with? Is there someone you feel free to gossip with? Another question. Is there someone that you're being critical of? Okay, Lord, help us. Help us, God, to love and not judge. To offer forgiveness where we've been wounded and hurt. Amen? Proverbs 12.18 says, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And here's a fact. Our families, our workplace will be marked by our attitude, our words. We will reap what we sow into our families. Those kids, when you hear the kid say, and it's just like, ugh. You know, it's, it's exactly what you say in that situation. You know, and the kid, you're driving along and the kid yells what you've yelled before at the traffic. Well, that. That, you know, whoa. Right? And so that's, that's life. So this, this is a pastoral exhortation to develop the mind of Christ. For us to be renewed. For us to live into the way things really are in Jesus Christ. Okay, we're not there, but that's the reality, and we're living into that. That's such a huge piece. I. You maybe have heard me say this before, but if I was going to 
after 25 years of studying the Bible pretty seriously, of trying to look at Jesus Christ and the Scriptures, I would say that the trajectory of the New Testament is our union with Jesus Christ. That's where things are going, is that we would more and more see our life fully conformed, our image transformed into His image. And that we would do this thing in the context of loving community that's touching the city, the nation, the nations of the earth. That's what it's about. And so, this is huge. Renewing the mind. Guarding our attitudes and words. And then the final piece, living into God's future, means waking up and starting today. That's another piece of what we do when we come in here together is we say to each other and we help each other. We don't say it rudely, but we say, wake up. Wake up into being who you are. Wake up into who you are in Christ. Wake up into who you are in God's love. Wake up into who you are in Christ's life. Wake up into who you are and how He's made you and gifted you and called you to function and be and to make a difference in the world. That's why we talk so much about you know, vision here at the beginning of the year. We do this every year. This is nothing new. You're like, oh, the vision thing at the beginning of the year? We do it every single, we do it all the time. And uh, so it's just, it's, it's huge. It's, it's important that we have a vision for our personal lives, for our family and work, for our church and for our mission to the nations. Um, there's this uh, website by a guy named Michael Hyatt. He's a believer. He used to be CEO, president of Thomas Nelson Books. And he, he's kind of a life coach now. Some of us listen to him. And, and he has this, this little uh, seminar called your, uh, The Best Year Ever. And I haven't seen it, but I like that phrase. And I've been praying it all over the place in my prayer journal in 2016. Lord, let this be the best year ever in Your presence. Father, let this be the best year ever in my attitude. Let this be the best year ever in my relationship with Kim. Let this be the best year ever in renewing my mind. Let this be the best year ever in walking in faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please you. I want to walk in hitting the mark on what you're calling me to. Who I am in Christ and not in other stuff. Let this be the best year ever right there. Let this be the best year ever in my workplace. And you know what? Everybody has challenges in their workplace. Don't think that yours is worse than somebody. Everybody's got challenges. We all have them. Right? We, we've all got them. So, wrapping this up this way. In 2016, some of you will have trials. But there's grace. There's so much grace, it's incredible. He just wants to meet you right where you're at. And... He wants us and He's calling us to practice behind the scenes of living into who we are in Jesus, in our families. The way we talk, the way we talk to each other, the way we pray in our families. Setting time aside to, to do and to think about who God is in our families and in our lives. And there's grace. There's so much grace. He wants to meet us right in the middle of all of that. There's grace for families. There's grace for work situations. You know, I just I could I know so many of you guys what you do, and there's just there's grace for those situations. There's grace for family. There's grace for spouse, husband, wife relationships. There's grace for our kids, and uh, in our weakness, one thing we can count on is God meeting us uh, right in the middle of it with His love. So stand up, Amen. 2016, here we go. Worship teams coming, ministry teams coming.
We were praying this morning before the first service and uh, somebody had a picture of people coming to the front with a, a big stack of boxes. They could hardly see where they were going. They had a big stack of boxes and it was just all the different compartments of life. Just all these different compartments of life. And, and I think it's, you know, it was encouraging to me that we would be a people that bring all of these compartments to the Lord and say, Lord, it's all Yours. All of my life is Yours. My work, my family, all these different things, the kids' activities, all these different things that we're doing in life that take up the 95 or 100 hours that's available to us. So, Lord, would You just meet us today? You know, if Jesus is getting more real and there's something you need to pray with someone, come and get prayer. If you want to just say yes on this box thing and just say, Jesus, You're the Lord of it all, come, get prayer. Whatever your need is, we do this after every service. You're visiting with us. It just This is our way of responding to the Lord in the moment. So Father, would You just meet us? If we have hurts of any kind that we need help with, help us to get prayer this morning and not leave without getting prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, whatever your need is, come and meet Jesus. Come and meet Him through prayer. Amen. He wants to help us. He wants to meet us. Amen. Come on. Be bold.